With my guest Susan, I connect the dots in wedding and dating. Susan has a wedding planner business called Amazian Wedding Studio. She will point out crucial intercultural differences, especially Western to Eastern, to keep in mind when planning a wedding and when, for example, engaging with the parents of your partner. Susan is a graduate of the Founder Institute program. She didn't go through the Founder Institute program with her wedding planner business, but with a new one, a different one. It is an elite matchmaking business called Shu and Shan Elite Matchmaking International. Susan, I really hope I'm getting the pronunciation right. If not, I'm really sorry. You will find out how her elite matchmaking business works and, for example, her top three tips for good dates. I think Susan did a fantastic job of explaining the core ideas and the specifics of her two businesses and she delivered a lot of insights into her industries. I learned a lot from her and I hope you do too. Susan, welcome to my podcast. It's great to see you. My pleasure, Susan. So you have a uh, wedding planner business, right? Yes. Uh, I thought we would talk about this first. So how or why did you start a wedding planner business? How did that come about? Uh, yes, I have this uh, wedding planning business actually since five years ago. And, uh, you know, since a student, I really love to plan ever small, big events. And I enjoy it, especially when there is a successful one come out. Also, like uh, almost 12 years ago, all my family and close friends started to have weddings internationally because I have a lot of international friends. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, always the bridesmaid or like from the family group who are helping for the wedding planning. And then uh, it came out the idea like, okay, it really nice that you are showing yourself being helpful for the amazing, amazing weddings. And some of the weddings, um, from my friends, they are already planned by top wedding planning companies. And I saw how much difference it is making. And, um, you know, like uh, five years ago, I had my wedding here in Germany mm -hmm. uh, in a very beautiful uh, castle close to Frankfurt. Uh, I love the environment and everything, but I also see that there are lots of things uh, to be can be done. Like if there is a wedding planner there, because uh, the wedding couple and the family they know everything, but on the day, you have to concentrate on the guest. Mm -hmm. So here is where I can bring more value and make a beautiful, amazing dream wedding there. In in what castle did you have your own wedding? Uh, that's Schloss Hotel Weiberhofer. That's like half an hour by driving from Frankfurt. And you liked it? Was it good? Yeah, it was really nice. That's great. I mean, um, because there I was not professional, but you know, now from the professional side, I would like to see if at the day there is a someone who's so helpful about planning the wedding, um, I would be so thankful. Mm -hmm. I am satisfied with the wedding, but uh, there is some cultural difference and there is uh, some better ways we can do with guests. Mm -hmm. If there is someone helping me as a bride there. You are, you're from China, right? Yes, yes. Yes. So 
a lot of family from China, I guess, was flown in to Germany for that. Okay. And I'm sure with your own wedding, you already gained a lot of experience what it is like to have a wedding in Germany under, you know, under the circumstances here, but to also be culturally uh, sensitive to um, Asian, um, let's say, Asian marriage demands, right? Yes, yes, especially if there is a cross-cultural wedding. For for example, uh, during my wedding, we had a Western-style or German-style wedding, Mm -hmm. and... uh, I love the DJ. We had a really a great DJ. He's popular. And he wants to show that he's also satisfied with the wedding at the end. So he sent us a really beautiful, nice clock. And with his name there, it should be really nice for German sense. For, for the wall. For the wall. Ah, yeah. But with Chinese culture, that has another meaning. Because the sound is not that nice. And it's like taboo. So people, nobody likes to get a clock as a gift, especially for the wedding. So, <laughs> you know, like in Ch- uh, with Chinese culture, there's another meaning. Uh, so I- I'm still thankful and uh, uh, I know the meaning is cherish the time, but I think lots of misunderstanding can be, can be prevent like this kind of surprise we can remove that at the beginning with the right planner. Ah, so when there's an intercultural wedding, you have to, um, like I said, be sensitive to the cultural differences because what, you, because what you may do in one country may be something bad or even an insult in another country, right? Exactly. Do, do you have an example for yeah. what, for example, we would do here in Germany that um, Chinese parents or grandparents would find very... Not so good. <laughs> yes, for sure. Like the number four, mm-hmm. actually, this also has a meaning like the clock, meaning like that. But uh, four. Yes, yes. So you should really, really prevent to use that during the very uh, important time, something like wedding or like wedding suit number. So don't use that or don't pick anything related to that. And all the wedding time, it would be better to set related to with eight or six or nine, because six means lucky, eight means uh, lots of money, nine means uh, long term. So, uh, and also not only from German side, from Chinese side, I had one, uh, one wedding parents, because from the very traditional Chinese culture, uh, it is really nice that you, you put, you know, peanuts and uh, uh, all the, uh, all the this uh, nut nuts thing on mm-hmm. your wedding bed. That mm-hmm. means, uh, you know, you're gonna have lots of kids. That's a good meaning. Ah, so it stands for fertility. <laughs> yes, exactly, fertility. But actually, especially in the star hotels in Germany. It's not allowed because no. it's not easy for the hotels. The room service would be very annoyed, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you see, there are lots of things you need to educate the um, the international clients. And uh, uh, that's what we are doing as well. And we also have to, to do the communication um, not only because of culture, but also of different habits. And, uh, of course, the regular work of what a normal planner should do mm-hmm. to plan the time, to negotiate the contract price and everything in details. And from which countries were you or are your clients mostly? 
Uh, I would like to see because of my background, mostly uh, they have something to do with Chinese or Chinese culture, but maybe they are growing up uh, in US or in Europe. Um, but still, I also have some very international, uh, like wedding couples uh, growing up uh, here in Europe and so on. Um, but uh, I think all of my clients, they all have a very international sense. Yeah. And um, what do you think would be uh, like the, the key differences of Chinese wedding compared to a German wedding? Uh, I would like to see nowadays the trend is the same, like the aesthetic is internationally, especially when it, it comes to a very high-end ones. Um, but some Chinese wedding couple or Chinese bride or Chinese uh, groom, they want to still keep one touch of Chinese culture. We embed that. For example, uh, the traditional Chinese wedding dress, um, they are actually red. So, yes, yes, that means uh, red wedding dress or red suit, That's that will bring you lucky and everything. So traditionally, the Chinese wedding should be a red wedding, and Western style is a white wedding. But sometimes we just try to combine them for the, you know, main ceremony, like traditional Western style. It's... It's all in white, but the red part, we keep that for uh, dancing part or for morning part as well. Uh, but then from the dress code, you need to be careful to keep all the guests uh, well informed. Um, okay, I now I, I'm just uh, using my uh, wedding because that's the start of every story as example. Uh, during my wedding that time, uh, we... Although we informed guests, but we forgot to write, okay, please reserve red for the bride, because I, I thought everyone knew that the Chinese culture, but no, it's not like that when it comes to wedding. So there were lots of guests wearing red and my, my, uh, parents were shocked, like, how they're different women and men wearing red during your wedding. I was like, it's ketchup. They, f they found it kind of <laughs> insulting at first. Yes. Ah, oh, wow. I'm confused. Okay. <laughs> I also did not know that. I thought, I, I naively think it's white everywhere, but that's not true at all, right? Yes, and I thought everyone knows Chinese ketchup red, is, but it's also very naive, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there you can see how you grow up in this not you specifically, but like we are maybe in this little bubble where you think, ah, of course it's like that. But just a few hundred kilometers away, maybe things are different, right? Exactly. And also uh, tea ceremony is uh, very well loved about uh, when the couples have a touch of Chinese culture. Uh, so they would like to experience that. Because some of Chinese, they just have lived abroad for a long time, but they still want to have some traditional things from the root. Mm -hmm. So I also educate them how to, how to do the uh, tea ceremony to show your respect to your uh, parents. Ah, okay. So during the wedding, actually, the ceremony, there's a tea ceremony. Yes, we always separate that, like uh, Chinese ceremony part and the Western ceremony part. So for the Chinese ceremony, we make the tea ceremony. But is it separated as in on different days or um, just during the day 
different parts? Uh, normally, that's in the morning, the tea ceremony. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Western ceremony is always in cozy, nice afternoon. Ah, yeah, because here from some weddings, like some typical German weddings, I got the impression that it usually starts or in the afternoon. Exactly. There's some cake, tea and coffee, bit of a break, and then, um, then dinner, um, drinks, dancing, right? Exactly. And in China, it's another way around. Okay, China has different regions. Uh, and some region thinks it's not, uh, it's also bad luck if you have wedding during afternoon or the evening. But some regions think it's good luck to have that in the evening. It's already not easy to combine them in China. Ah, yeah. Not measuring, <laughs> okay. combining that with Western culture. Yeah. Um, but I've designed kind of international way because international couples are more understandable or couples with international sense. So, uh, I've done weddings like several different way, five or six I've tried already. They went on well. So the tea ceremony is always, uh, set in the morning, uh, because when the, uh, wedding couple, they just woke up, have some, uh, makeups and then just can present the tea to the parents to thank, uh, them for bringing them tea this big and uh, then they come to another journey and then the uh, West Western ceremony will be held in afternoon so no big conflict then <laughs> but the tea ceremony is specifically a act of gratitude towards the parents exactly and you have that without breakfast um actually traditionally in China um, the wedding is very stressed stressful that's also why uh, i want to reduce the stress i'm just designing it another way if you go very traditionally in the chinese way you woke up at four o'clock in the morning a.m and you do the makeups yes you do the makeups and the uh, uh, bride is waiting for the groom come and there is some games uh, i think in Ru it's similar like in russian it's called ransom uh, games so the um, groom has to to um, bride the bridesmaids and all the family give them the red bag with money, uh, small cash, and then try to get inside the room to get the bride. And maybe they'll do some funny games. It's like a little game. It's like a little game. You have to go through all the challenge until you win the bride. <laughs> a lot of things you have to finish. And then, um, yeah, then you win the bride and then, uh, you, cha you change to another clothes, the traditional one. You go to parents and show your respect and show your thankful attitude to your parents. More or less like this. So there's, also quite a, a humorous component in in Chinese wedding, right? A lot, and uh, uh, it's very, how can I say? For example, there is one one game, uh, like the, the groom has to, you know, eat a really long noodle, but the noodle is specially designed. He has to really eat like 10 minutes to finish that noodle, something like that. <laughs> Okay, that's great. And the tea, uh, I, it may sound a bit nerdy, but I like tea. I like green tea. Mm -hmm. So is it specific green tea? Does it have to be? What are the specifics here? 
Uh, actually, there is no um, specification about the tea sort. Okay. We've made all different ones uh, with yeah. leaves, without leaves. <laughs> yeah, but the important thing is uh, from wedding planning side, the tea has to be warm, not a cold tea. And uh, of course, uh, you have to be careful. Normally, we ask the uh, bridesmaid do that. They should be responsible for that. Mm -hmm. Then you need really to have a careful bridesmaid who has been trained to hand over, you know, the the cups because if they are warm, it's also not easy to handle. Um, yeah, it's like all the small details. <laughs> and you as a wedding planner, uh, I'm sure you're also in contact with the bridesmaids, right? Yes. Of your clients. Yes. And do you do like little schoolings, little green tea ceremony workshops? Uh, workshops, no, uh, not yet, but it's really a great idea. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think uh, they would love to learn that. Um, but yes, because they are bridesmaids, so... Nobody wants to, to be the dumb bridemaid, but me, myself, as bridemaid, I was dumb at the first time, and I don't know how to behave, and, uh, you know, but really, I, that's why I'm also kind of educating or teaching how a bridemaid do her job good, very well. It's very important. Best man as well. <laughs> and are you still excited about weddings? Yes, yes. How many weddings, I'm sorry, how many weddings roughly have you planned so far? Uh, 30, 30 or more or less in the last years. Um, actually, that's not a lot because there yeah. are wedding planning agencies that are planning every year 50 or even more. But uh, I really love quality. I'm a quality person. So I prefer to invest uh, in every wedding more time and to do that personally because on the day you need to have someone who knows the whole structure and know who's doing what that's why you need to be like there. the mastermind yes exactly it, it, yeah. it won't help that if you imagine if you're doing lots of weddings how much energy you are able to invest in one wedding yeah so in the coming years because i'm also doing uh one step before which we will talk later. Mm -hmm. uh, I am planning starting for from next year because this year is also special. Next year, uh, I will only plan five, maximum ten weddings every year. Um, and uh, yeah, I would, would really concentrate on the quality. So you are, you also have the mantra uh, quality over quantity. Because yes. I I have that too for my podcast. Some people put out two or three episodes per week. Mm -hmm. I want to put out one really good episode where people really get something from it. It's it's uh, I think it's more satisfying for me personally. I agree. And uh, to be honest, uh, people are not stupid. People are really smart, and we cherish our time. So we only pick the best for ourselves. That's also smart. <laughs> and people really. Sometimes with the time investments, I think not all people are sensitive. But with money investments, especially when it's for a wedding, and we talk five figures, right, at least. Uh, yes, yes. I'm planning also starting from that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, when people put in that much money, they mm -hmm. really think about what they get out of it, right? Exactly. And does it work? Uh, is it kind of a referral only business that you have? Because I mean, there are lots of Asians in Frankfurt. Um, yeah, 
I mean, till now mostly it's working like this because uh, I cannot uh, offer the quantity. So when it comes to quality, I think not so many agencies want to devote uh, for that. From China, I do have some agency because they don't need a lot. They also need a very nice wedding plans. Mm -hmm. So I'm also planning demo weddings for them. It's like they are using, they are bringing me uh, clients, and then they are using the wedding I planned and to kind of like copy. I can see. Um, but I'm okay with it because I, for me, important is not to plan a wedding to show my brand, but for me, it's important uh, to plan a wedding just belong to the wedding couple. Um, it doesn't have have to be the most expensive one, but important is they have the best winning out of it and put their own love soul, love story inside of the wedding. You can see from all the details and the location. And all the processes, it's for me more important because that's a wedding to remember. So before we get into the entrepreneurial or the business details, and I would also like to ask some questions about uh, how the wedding business is going in Corona times. Mm -hmm. I would actually like to ask about what are the first steps? So when a couple approaches you, mm -hmm. do you have like long, more or less long, maybe a few hours of um, honest Uh, conversation about how the wedding should should go down yeah for sure normally um okay i get inquiries uh differently some from recommendation uh some even from wechat because i have a wechat blog and uh, people are passing it through uh, so normally i schedule a phone call with them uh, i devote half an hour uh free consolation for them And I prefer to speak more, talk less. <laughs> That means I really go to see what they need for the wedding first and what I can help, what do they need. Uh, get And uh, then I give them some advice and I give them a free schedule for the wedding planning. Um, and if some wedding couples prefer to meet in person, I will meet them as well. And I always recommend it this way. Uh, okay, one reason is I can have more time with them and I would like to feel the people. Uh, the other thing is like, I can also hear them love story because if I'm talking on the phone, people are still not, you know, we don't meet yeah. each other. But then when it's a cozy face-to-face -face meeting, I can really listen to their love soul and then I have I will be inspired more when it comes to location wedding ideas and everything you were mentioning schedule how much time in advance do you minimally so what would be the minimum of time that you need to plan it I mean uh, it really depends on how big the project is yeah okay and okay we have done uh Like at the very beginning of uh, my wedding planning career, uh, we planned in one month during the high season in August, one wedding in Manita, but with a lot of support uh, from wedding couples as well. Okay. Um, that's also a ref referred uh, contact for sure. Um, that's already over 120 people, but we managed that very well during the hot season. But what would need to... Why would a couple approach you in such short notice? Uh, one thing is we know each other for a long time. They trust me, know my capability, 
And also, they know that during the wedding day, if there are lots of people, they, you know, they cannot uh, handle all the details. They need someone to have a control of the whole situation, and they can be busy with being the main character there. And also, they uh, always my uh, clients' wedding couples, they have less time. They are either bankers or like they have a good position in companies. They work a lot. Um, Especially, that's the thing I like about the wedding couple who have the international character. They are really normally very hardworking people. Mm -hmm. So they also prefer to let the professional, let the uh, experts do, do what they are good at. Then they save time and energy and uh, do what they are good at. So they can really trust you and they let you do your thing. Yeah, that's my pleasure. I am sure your work is a lot easier when people do that and yeah. when they do not interfere so much with you, right? Yes, yes, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. And um, you, you, have a, you have two co-founders, right? Is that true? Uh, actually, I have four different business co-founders. Ah, okay. uh, for wedding planning, I have a co-founder. We build the company together and uh, sh uh, the part we are working together is the wedding dress because she has this amazing taste about clothes mm -hmm. um, based on her experience, taste and everything. Uh, so we, uh, we are working on the wedding dress part. The other part, uh, I'm in charge of, uh, of that myself. Is your partner a designer or what is she by, by trade? Mm, she's not a professional designer, but, uh, yeah, because of the, I would like to say growing background, starting background and the friends, uh, and career involved. Uh, yeah, she's seen that, uh, field very, yeah. Yeah. And experience. what are you, what are you looking for in co-founders? What is important for you, uh, in, uh, to see or to have in a business partner? Uh, for me, I think trust, respect, yeah. efficient communication, and that I had with uh, this uh, co-founder from wedding business, because although she's a mom, but she really made time when I need her, and also when we communicate, she's just trust me on my field, and I trust her on her field, so she's our, let's say, taste setter. <laughs> So yeah, it's like uh, yeah. we compensate each other also very well, but the uh, the same the same goal we also have, and we are also not eager for you know we need to make money for company, but we are not eager for money business. Yeah, because wedding business you really need to have a heart. Yeah, and um, I, I hear that a lot from founders that have a co-founder. They say. I have to trust him or her first. Mm -hmm. If I cannot trust him or her, then the best, the person with the best capabilities may not be worth much if he or she stabs me in the back once he or she gets the chance, right? Exactly. And that's how uh, we came together. Like uh, we knew each other from fitness studio. We were doing sport <laughs> really? together. Yes, yes. And but we also knew that we belong to a same circle. Uh, that's the WeChat, WeChat circle from the local. I was living in Aschaffenburg that time. And we just ran, uh, ran into each other and we knew 
who we are. And then we talked and uh, it was really nice. She just invite me to her house and then I just opened open up with my story and she opened up with her story and I met her family. So yeah, it's uh, she has her personal magic as well, but she's a private person. So normally I'm outside. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned WeChat a few times. Yes. So a lot of a lot of Europeans or maybe Western people are not that familiar with it. Actually, I'm surprised. And I I sometimes get the impression that we Europeans tend to think it's like uh, the Chinese WhatsApp, but it's more, right? Yes, it's like the Chinese version combination of WhatsApp, Twitter, and Facebook. <laughs> so it's it's all combined. Yeah. Yes, and also from there you have some mini program. You can get access to the Chinese Uber, Chinese uh, Lieferando, everything. It's like an all-in-one app of many modern yes. app versions. Yeah. Yes, if there is any chance that you will be in China, you need one to get to have a normal life. <laughs> That's very interesting because when I look at people's uh, phone screens, they are so crowded with dozens and dozens of apps and different payment systems. So um, you also went through the um, Founder Institute program, but not with your wedding planner business, but with the, help me with the pronunciation please <laughs> Shu and Shan elite matchmaking yes exactly and that's the business I'm working with another co-founder yeah and uh, uh, that's one step before the wedding planning yeah so in the genesis genesis of um, like the the love life of a couple with this business you help um, people finding somebody right exactly but with a proposition and that's very, very crucial. That's offline and that's for marriage-minded singles. And personally, I always prefer the selective one who have a noble value. That is indeed a, in, a, a very important proposition because it's very distinct from pretty much every app you have online. Because uh, Tinder, Bumble, Lavu, all those dating apps, for um i think for a for a large amount of men that use it it's honestly for hooking up yes uh sadly i have to agree um of course i don't deny that people can find true love there but the, the percentage is extremely low yeah. Yeah. less than one percentage and uh, i planned wedding for couples who met there but it's yeah. randomly yeah. They have to be self very, very selective. And, uh, I got a big data there, like says 46 percentage, uh, people on the Tinder before coronavirus. Now there are more. They are actually already couple or they have someone already. They just want to be present there to see do this still have a value on the market or not. And some of my friends even had the experience they were using that and they did some married ones. So it's um, something like that. I heard that or read that or whatever a few times that uh, women who, I mean, obviously not all, I don't want to generalize, but some women that are on Tinder, they are in a relationship. And as you said, they kind of secretly are on Tinder to see um, if, if men are interested and what men 
And uh, I could assume, I mean, it's just a, um, just a thought, maybe it's because they are not that happy and not that convinced in their relationship, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I would like to see everyone have different case, um, but it doesn't fit our value. Yeah. No. So that's why I'm doing offline. And uh, at least Tinder is not for payment. There are a lot of uh, paid platform. Yeah. And you need to think if they want to make their business running, they need to make you prominent payment. And then they will attract you to pay again and again. And how can they make you pay them again and again? So you have to be regularly single. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also I read, you know, there's this, this motto, I think, in a lot of like product startups or startups generally. Um, if you don't pay for the product, you are the product. Yeah. So on Tinder, obviously, all the users on Facebook, you know, They, they, I know. <laughs> Zuckerberg says they have a very noble cause to connect the world, but maybe it's effectively a, a B2B business that sells a lot of user data. But that's another uh, topic. So, um, since when are you running the um, elite matchmaking business? Uh, to be honest, it's very new business. Yeah. Um, we just started our common company last year. Um, with a centered uh, address from New York. My business partner, she has actually done three years already. And luckily, we got this mentoring, um, especially through her experience, um, from the best matchmaker from Upeaster. They've done over 30 years. And they are also only doing offline. And we got the business model actually from them. Uh, so we didn't grow up anything out of nothing. We just tried to get all the great experience, build on people, real uh, experience, and try to bring more happiness for the other people. And so you went through the Founder Institute program, right? Here in Frankfurt. Yes. And how, how was that experience like? Um, I think it's really a great help. Um, because, okay, because I like to do the thing with heart and authenticity, but you know, for business, you need a plan. Sure. And the Founding Institute just help you to regulate that and help you to um, put your product or service on the market and let the best people, mentors, expertise to uh, tell you What are the things fit for the market? Which part don't fit? And how can you get improved? So with the right direction and uh, great experience, feedback, uh, without holding back, I just got my business idea really polished and in practical way, and that fit the local market better because this business model, although New York is already international, but let's see, Europe is really special. It's very, very diverse. More diverse than the US or speci specifically New York? I think so, especially I'm when it comes to uh, relationship, culture and everything. And especially when it comes to marriage-minded, then there are lots of things you need to uh, embed uh, into the business model 
to let people understand what kind of value you want to bring. Um, like some of the marketing things, maybe it's better you do you don't do the American direct sale. Although it's powerful, but sometimes when it comes to private fields, better you let people trust, know, understand your service first, and then it works out. That's very, very interesting. So I assume that in the Founder Institute, it is of great help that the mentors there are from all over the world or all over Europe, right? Exactly. Like Pedro That's from so Portugal, some other guys or people from other countries. And so the idea of the Founder Institute program is to get this business idea, let's say, in, in the words of Peter Thiel, it's zero to one to a basic product, a very basic product then you, that you then afterwards can present to the market and evolve even further, right? Yeah, for sure. And also they have all of the mentors. Uh, they have all the international uh, experience uh, from business and private field. And also uh, they will provide you this view and provide you this great platform for you to present, for you to get uh, without holding back feedback. And then they were just, you know, like taking you as a small baby hand in hand and to bring you up until you can face the world yourself. Yeah. Okay. And you also, you also had to pitch a lot, right? Every week. Yes, yes. And sometimes, although I have to work a lot and then I have to always be prepared, uh, that's stressful. But now I really am very thankful for that because uh, that really bring me also the capability to face st stress. And also, uh, Founding Institute has built this amazing teamwork field. They always divide people in teams. We are able to work with different founders together. We help each other from a different field because some are great IT Uh, people, some mm -hmm. are great uh, banking people, so we compensate each other as well. We learn each time from each team different things. So you you use in the finance you did the synergies of the team exactly. very very well, very effectively. Yeah. yeah. And I also heard um, from both Pedro and uh, Eugenio Grappa that. Um, in, in such a team that you're working with, they all get a little stake in the company, right? Yes, yes. And that's a good incentive to um, um, to make sure that they really cooperate and that they really invest time and energy. Right? Yes, yes. I totally agree. Uh, am I allowed to say how much percentage? I think it's transparent. I think it is. Huh? Yeah, it's for percentage and for their experience and for their level. That's nothing for them. And especially when this company is not working out, it's nothing. But the thing is, they want to show that their loyalty or their trust in your company's future. So uh, I think it makes sense that there is a beneficial part binding there to see. Yeah. It's very smart. It's very yeah. smart, yeah. Agree. And when you were pitching, what were some like core lessons? Because I know you get a lot of feedback and they are brutally honest, right? 
Yes, yes, totally yeah. agree. Actually, I was always the lucky one, <laughs> maybe because <laughs> I was a wedding planner, always lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have to admit, my my design was not the best, <laughs> but uh, they helped me to structure it really in a great way. And by structure the pitch uh, pitch deck, then you really get a better logic thinking of your business. Um, why you are doing it? How you are doing it? What are the important part, and so on, and so on, and they will help you to pick out the the shining part and polish the not that not yet great part. So, yeah, that's really good. Ah, so they not only give direct feedback to the pitches to the presentations, but also even more detailed feedback to the pitch deck and the details, right? Yes, yes, exactly. And they provide the platform always in different places. Uh, to let you have the feeling that you're gonna face all different people uh, to have your idea presented. So what were some of the um, surroundings or the, the um, areas where you presented? Uh, we work is one place they really love to uh, to work and we were also uh, in oil tomb. I'm very impressed with our location. What is that? I didn't get it. Uh, your uh, oil tomb. Ah, Euroturm, yeah, sure. Yeah, Euroturm. Yeah. Well, is it isn't uh, Mindspace up there? Yes, yes, yes. Also, coping space. Yeah. Yeah, it's really ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. And also, uh, Wang in Hanau, eh? Wang. I forgot. No, no, <laughs> not important. That's not important. Okay, and uh, my favorite question of what I got down so far is, what makes a person elite enough to participate in your matchmaking platform? Uh, yes, that's a really great question. Actually, <laughs> elite is a word that my, my, my mentors, uh, from founder, they suggest me to change because of, uh, some other business. This word is, uh, in, used in other ways with other understandings. Um, but, uh, that's also why I'm trying to bring out the noble value and also blue blood value. Ah, interesting. Yeah, and uh, um, I know it's a little bit abstract, but I really love it personally, so I would be happy if people can understand it. Um, so, I mean, these days there's not actually um, blue blood or everything noble. It's not the most important thing. It's important, it's nice to have, but most important thing is you have the capability to make yourself noble or make yourself have the same value as the blue blood. You I, And for me, the definition is, it's important that you can have the sense to have self-growth. Especially as an adult, it's really not easy. So it's a process, it's an ambition. It's not a fixed state, like I have this now and I have this now, but you're always like working towards it. Exactly, and I think uh, it's also the thing I'm always talking with people, especially during this special pandemic time, you need, uh, actually, the positive part is, that's a great chance that you face yourself better, and then you know how to get along with yourself, you know which part you can still improve. You have to admit that, I mean, nobody is perfect, but you have to admit that you can still work on some parts to get a better you, and to be honest, uh, it's easy to see, not easy to do, even for me, myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 
What I find interesting about the words um, noble value and um, blue blood is that it immediately attracts only certain people. A lot of people may not be familiar with these terms. So they read over it and they're like, uh, I don't know, I don't care. But they are obviously not your audience. And that's the, the practical thing about this sp specific wording, right? And to take, um, to take good care of how you frame the business, because obviously this attracts certain people. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, you're really smart. I have to <laughs> say that <laughs> you get a compad. Uh, and yeah, because uh, it's like Atelier, it's not a huge, big business. It's international. It's globe, global. But uh, yeah, I would like to keep it with quality and with the people who have the same value. And so in, in analogy to, in analogy to the question of how, um, the first few, um, the first few steps of the wedding planner business is, what are the first few steps that you have with a client of the matchmaking business? Uh, that's, that's a great question. We actually have, uh, two different parts. So we have men as clients and women as members. Uh, so for men clients, Normally they call me like 10 minutes for free and then we will schedule, um, a simulated date. It's never a real date. It's like interview, but no nervous. Like I just want to, uh, go through because that's something I can bring them already before they pay, before they confirm my service. I would like to go through to see their etiquette, to understand them really in person without judging, to understand what kind of woman would fit them better. So for that, I need uh, to see them in person and to experience some time with them together and to ask my questions for sure. Um, and then uh, if from both sides fits, uh, we will sign the contract because we are pretty, um, pretty uh, good at privacy and the confidentiality. Uh, thanks to my experience from M&A world, <laughs> that helped a lot. And then um, we sign a contract and then I will give them uh, only three information from the women's side. Uh, it's like more or less the age, the, the surname. If surname is very specific, we will just pick something similar. Um, just let them to have a feeling. And then we will give them the photo of the women. Um, and then they will pick like from three different photos, uh, one they want to date. And then of course, uh, although we didn't give out all the information, but I just matched them with my, uh, expertise already. And then I will start to arrange the first date for them. I will give them also, uh, continuously, uh, my advice for date. They can accept or not accept. It's never a problem. That's great. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I have so many questions. Um, but for, for yeah. women, actually, there are not other processes. Uh, ah, yeah, I wanted allowed. to ask about the gender specifics. Ah, okay. Then, no, yeah. no, no, that, that's what I meant. Like, so you now describe the mm -hmm. process, how you go through it with a man, right? Mm -hmm. And how would it look like with a woman? Yeah. Uh, so for women... They will just also uh, call me 10 minutes. I will explain them uh, how does it works. Mm -hmm. And then they will go to um, our online um, platform to uh, fulfill the formula. 
and then with the formula, I will see if we have uh, some clients, might fit for them, might be their match. I will inform them and I will uh, arrange a 30 minutes interview with them, a personal one offline. Um, and during this time, maybe online, but I have to meet them in person. Then mm -hmm. they can be my member. And then uh, I will go through the interview. It's kind of like uh, coaching for them to let them know what kind of men fit them better. And all the questions are also designed according to the formula they filled. Um, and then the object is, of course, to see uh, I can understand them better and to see whether they are really the fit for the client. But when it's a global business and let's say, let's say a good looking, ambitious 28 year old man from Finland mm -hmm. <laughs> wants to be on your matchmaking platform, mm -hmm. how would you meet him in person? Uh, normally they will fly to me or they will book tickets for me to fly oh, really? to them. Wow, so much effort. And that is also a big distinction to what you have on Tinder and other platforms because they are the, um, like the entry hurdle. Yes, to agree. get in is, is very low. Yeah, exactly. You and and for, for you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm no really sorry. Worries, no and worries. for your business, they really need to um, put in effort and they show um, dedication, right? Exactly. Imagine if uh, for a matchmaker, they are putting so much effort. How important is that? Is it for them to meet the women? And also, uh, that's also smart men as well because they are using uh, expertise to save their time. Uh, this kind of clients, they will never have a problem to find women, but women to get married, the future wife, that's another different concept. So. Yeah, I can, uh, I can, I can sadly agree. Finding a woman is one thing. Finding the wife want to marry is super, super different. But okay, I don't want to share my experiences <laughs> here. And um, so, uh, did you already, if I may ask, have uh, had success in um, in making matches? Uh, to be honest, it's still going on because yeah. we started early. A very early stage, right? Yes, yeah. and. Uh, Although I believe falling in love on the first sight, but when it comes to marriage, I always suggest people, even you guys have chemistry during the beginning of dates, take your time. Take your time to understand each other from family, from your value, and to see how you get along, especially going through different times. So uh, now there is not yet getting married, but there are some couples uh, dating very well now <laughs> yeah okay and when um somebody wants to be part of your um, online platform uh, uh, your your offline matchmaking um service do they approach you um online through a homepage? is there an app there's no app right uh, yeah, there is uh, no app. There is a web page. And uh, normally I got, uh, because I'm very careful with my uh, clients and members, I got lots of recommendations. So, yeah. <laughs> I think both of your businesses are live a lot from um, referrals, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because that's uh, carrying trust and personal credibility. And what are some things, if uh, you're allowed to say, if you want to say, what are some things that you ask in the first few steps? 
like for example take a man what what do you ask him like salary educational background Mm, I mean, actually, Sarah, I don't need to ask a lot about that because if they can pay my service, I don't think. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's someone uh, <laughs> who has problem with that. Um, but uh, normally, I would like to uh, because men are not like women; they don't tell you their love story or about it at the first sight. So uh, normally, with men clients. Um, Of course, we talk like uh, what kind of women you prefer now, or uh, what is your status right now? Are you stable? And then to see whether uh, he's already on the right status, and when I'm, I'm sure already during the phone call. Um, of course, by introduction of my service as well, and then uh, I will just arrange a personal meeting. Uh, simulated date, and normally that will happen either breakfast, uh, lunch, or dinner. Uh, and then I will see their etiquette, and then with the cozy environment, I will try to uh, get out what they are thinking, what they experience about their family, and everything. They go on a simulated date with you. Yes, yes, but. Uh, The single ladies don't have to be afraid, because imagine if a guy is seeing a a woman and telling her the deepest secret of his heart. Uh, these women will only be a very good friend, mostly. So, uh, so like uh, for the future wife, he will be smart enough to find the expertise. To know that, um, uh, like, what kind of woman he fits best, but uh, he will know that okay, I need to respect and uh, try to present myself in an authentic way. So, what are you? I mean, then you are the first date expert, right? <laughs> like, what are what are Not some? Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but what are some common mistakes that you see men doing on the first date? I'm sure you will coach them on that, right? Yes, yes. That's also what I can bring by, like uh, some of the first uh, simulated dates, like they pick the wrong place or uh, wrong the, place. Uh, yes. Place to eat, for example. You mean? Sorry? Wrong place to eat, for example, you mean? Yeah, could be. Uh, imagine, like, if you if you go to uh, lunch uh, with, uh, with a Chinese and in an Indian restaurant, that can be good, but probably you need to do some research first. Uh, maybe a Chinese restaurant would be a better idea if you want to try the cultural touch. Uh, or um, you need to dig deeper, like have a chat to see what's her cultural preference. And also um, there was um, like one part that was a fancy place, but there were baby around. So it was very loud. Ah, so it was the location was too loud to have an intimate conversation. Exactly. Um, what else? And then, uh, with a like with a European girl, if you want to experience some African food, you need to be sure what kind of food she eats or not, 
So lots of these things, that's just starting, yeah. And also, uh, maybe the woman is not comfortable to eat with her hands. Because exactly. in African restaurants, you have to... You are the expert. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> there, there are lots of these kind of stories. And also, like, uh, yeah, one of the simulated dates happened, like, you know, there are thoughtful gentlemen, they always check the locations. But if you didn't check, maybe there's... Uh, um, the door of the restaurant's toilet was broken, or something like that always happened. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> it's, it's the yeah, real yeah. story, and I hope the gentlemen, gentlemen don't hate me no, if no. I talk like this. <clears throat> no, I'm sure my listeners are listening very, very carefully now. <laughs> <laughs> and what are some, what are some uh, characteristics uh, about a, a man or woman that... Um, increase the likelihood of them getting uh, a good match? Uh, I think so it, you know, it takes time. First, um, I, I'm really careful. I need to see the um, their family background, uh, education background, uh, love experience they've had. It's all related. And uh, uh, also the religion and everything. Um, but you know, the chemistry I cannot uh, control because maybe everything fits, and when they meet, the chemistry you know doesn't work, and uh, sadly, it won't work out. So, lots of elements there. So, something can look great on, a, on the paper, but then in real life, it's different, right? Yes, absolutely, yes. yeah. But are there some some specific character traits or maybe how a person looks. I mean, it can be so, something superficial that um, makes them more likely to succeed on your platform or maybe generally. What, do you have some, some experience? Uh, for sure. Actually, our criteria works already very well. Uh, for women, we picked out, uh, it's like they have to have at least four Bs. That means beauty, brands, body and balance. And they have to be either uh, having their own career or like have a stable job. So that already filtered a lot of uh, women. And uh, also um, psychologically uh, and physically healthy for men and women is also very important. Uh, also from men's side, it's uh, not only important that they, they have the capability to, to pay, it's also important that they have the capability to make a woman to be happy in a long run. So with all this, uh, lots of people are already filtered out. And then, um, you know, people are also asking me, like, there are different uh, character tests and everything. Uh, whether that would be helpful, yes, that would be helpful, but uh, there are still lots of elements you need to take a look. Uh, so there is never a more successful or less successful thing. You really need to check into person. Person are really an art piece. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually good, ne good news. There's not this one thing that always succeeds, but it depends on who you meet and depends on a lot of variables, right? So that okay. makes you as the matchmaking mastermind even more important because you have to... I assume you have to have in mind a lot of factors, a lot of variables, culturally, pers personally, psychologically, family background, job, so much, right? 
Yes, yeah. exactly. And also, uh, if we go really into details, we also check, we do some background check with some uh, cooperation partners. Um, of course, with privacy and the confidentiality. Background to check. make sure, yeah. <laughs> like with private investigators? Um, yeah, it's also possible. Wow. So it depends on exciting. what the clients need or if there's members side they want to have that, uh, it's also possible. Uh, I think that is an interesting because I I had some dates um some women that I was dating and they they were holding back a lot of stuff and I did not find out about this until quite a while and actually I was I thought like why didn't she tell me this like in the first few weeks Agree. I mean, uh, we always see trust, respect is very, very important. But at, at the beginning, especially through us, what we can do is remove the bad surprise out. And then, uh, you know, like what you need is be authentic and try to see whether you guys as a team can work really well. So uh, uh, during my research, I saw that in the uh, Chinese culture, Women who are not married into their 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on, they have um, quite a negative reputation. Is that true? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's actually, I would like to talk about that some um, because recently I also saw a video saying that the Chinese love to women, that's a huge problem. Um, but to be honest, it's not like that. First of all, uh, just for, from that video, and uh, they are presenting some Chinese women, but uh, if you take a whole look of Chinese women, there are lots of beautiful, fashionable women. So I would prefer that if you are object enough, please take a look at the that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also, secondly, from the population there, uh, in China, actually 60% are men, 40% are women. So you can think about it. Uh, and with that uh, huge population, of course, there's always single ones and there are different aged ones. And uh, from third point, I want to say China is uh, growing and the, the traditional sense has been changed already years ago. Women are independent and trying to find their role on their own have capability to go abroad or like me study live some went back some didn't and then uh, the women are having different language capabilities uh, some are picky it's okay some have different experience um, but you cannot see that the leftover women have a difficulty to find a man no I mean it can be there are picky ones in Germany as well. That Everywhere. Yes, yeah. they are chasing up different quality of life. Or maybe they need me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also noticed that there's quite a big movement of uh, strong women, uh, sometimes feminist women, that um, I met some from uh, Seoul in Korea, some Chinese, some Japanese, and they were very strong, open-minded um interesting women that wanted to live abroad and have a career in Germany or somewhere in Europe. So um, maybe these are people that want to 
live a different life and don't live the life that um, some maybe more conservative-minded people uh, have, right? And I think it's fine to accept that too, right? So yes, there's a platform exactly. for everything. Yes, yes, I totally agree. It's like you can have different options of your life, even when it comes to matchmaking. We are matching the um, people uh, mostly with age different 10, plus minus 10. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if you have 30 years different, you don't find love. There are lots of great artist couple. They always have huge different age gap. But we're just concentrating on what we're good at. So that's another detail. You match, uh, the, there can be a 10, 10 year age gap between the people you want to match. Yeah, mostly plus minus 10, like uh, from 0 to 10. So I'm trying to to put most of them in this uh, age difference scope. But I have to see in Europe, there are also some surprising ways for me. Um, so it's why that's why I'm seeing like uh, you have to look into people individually. What are the surprising things? Don't stop there. <laughs> the surprising things is like uh, before uh, with the number. It's like with the American way, like minus 10, uh, plus 10. It's, you know, always the idle age to get married, to be together uh, for life partner. Uh, but in Europe, there are different ways that's true love. That's totally soulmate. But maybe the age gap is a little bit bigger. Um, but still, what I'm good at is um, plus minus 10 or maximum with 15. So more, I'm still not good at it, but I'm not seeing that the ones who have huge age gap cannot find happiness together. It's whatever works. Do you know the Woody Allen film, uh, Whatever Works? Ah, yes, it's, yes. <laughs> it's a great movie about how different couples can be and it still can work out. Yes, agree. But I would, uh, I would assume that mostly you match uh, younger women with older, I mean, not, not old, old, but like the man tends to be a bit older, I guess. No. No, not? <laughs> really not? Yes, uh, although people always know that we charge men more and uh, women are paying for the interview. Uh, and that's one time, one time pay, payment for permanent service, um, being the database. But, um, the women we have, they can be very successful, very beautiful. And, uh, uh, so it's like our asset. We keep them there. Uh, and some of them actually fit the, uh, younger men better. And especially, uh, not only with data, but that's the reality. Um, like with, uh, you know, mature women with younger men, sometimes this couple works better. Uh, okay, I just had a, a lunch today with uh, one of my very good friends. She's happily married for over 10 years with a kid. Um, and uh, he's uh, like her husband is five years younger than her. So that's the real life. <laughs> and it works perfectly fine for them. It's really great. It's great. And, uh, Did you match that? Uh, no, no. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, before before I'm a professional matchmaker, I did match uh, seven couple of my friends. And some of them are living in China and here and having kids and happily together 
uh, one I can name that uh, because they allowed me to, um, like, we started together. Without me, they would never be together. Uh, and they are having two kids and working both for very good international companies in Nanjing. Um, and yeah, um, I'm also meeting them once in a while. I'm happy for them. That's great. So it was a hobby before it came, it became a job, right? Yes, yes. That's often the case for founders, I see. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I thank my mentor and my business partner find my potential for that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you told me that it's also become a B2B um business or part of it can be uh, viewed as a B2B business because you work with recruiters from the lux 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 luxury yeah luxury, luxury industries industry, yeah. yes yes um it's actually the way we are doing business uh because you know i am in charge of european market i'm just on my own uh of course i have people to assistant me um but for sales we need uh the more recommendation uh the let's say trustworthy referral and uh, that's why we work very close to uh to for example real estate uh agency who are doing b2c dealing with luxury mobility uh luxury real estate and we are working also very close with uh the one who's doing luxury retails uh so It's also like a plus for them. So um, it's like uh, add value service for them mm -hmm. because normally, you know, for the luxury industry, the way is like you let the customer feel as a family, then you worry for them, you care for them. So my service will be add value for them as well. So one scenario would be that a man who earns a lot of money, maybe he's really rich, he wants to buy a property here in Frankfurt through a real estate agency. And they see, ah, this guy would be a good fit for your um, elite matchmaking service. Then they contact you and what would their next steps look like to get him maybe on your platform? Uh, of course, uh, if there is like a client, a client like you said, um, the people who's uh, in contact with him will get his permission first and with his permission uh, the client will contact me himself so uh, it's also we are careful about uh, data protection and everything we yeah. respect the privacy uh, and if you they are willing to uh, have the expertise by their side I'm gonna be very glad to help. That's more or less how it works. Okay, so from then on, it's the normal process of the matchmaking platform. Yeah, sure. All right, good. Um, uh, also, I do scouting everywhere. Before, more uh, offline. Now, there are also lots of good business online uh, events. I'm also very active there with invitation. Uh, and then I get to know the people and, and I get to know them uh, offline for sure. So, when you see in an, uh, in an event, maybe an online event, somebody that looks like a, a promising candidate for your platform, you approach him, you invite him, he can contemplate if he wants to be part of your service, and then, ah, oh, that's very interesting. So, it, it goes both ways. People approach you, but you approach people too, right? 
Yes, yes. And the events I attend, some are like from business clubs and uh, some are, uh, for example, from Sasebis. They have lots of great online uh, lectures uh, or like online tasting uh, events from some wine good, like I was there for wine good regular. So uh, lots of these events already, let's see, uh, show kind of good side of uh, people as well. All right. So to bring this interview to a close, uh, I already want to thank you very much for your time. This has been a fascinating <laughs> interview, really. I really learned thank a lot. But I would like to ask you, could you maybe name one or two things that you personally can recommend to men or women, however you like, for the first aid? So what would be like something that you can generally, like with, a, with, a, um, with good intention, recommend to people? I would like to see, keep your smile, looking to the eyes. And always try to have a dessert as the last course together. That is such a good closing word. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, Susan. Okay. Thank you, my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very much for tuning into the podcast. If you liked what you heard, then please subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast player you prefer. Consider checking out the videos on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. You will find it easily. And If you're really a fan, if you really like it, then give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would help me a lot in letting the podcast grow and making it bigger and get even more amazing guests in the future. Thank you very much. <laughs>